Welcome to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. In this podcast series, we get to know the experts working in the field of automated mobility. What drives them and how do they think their work contributes to a better mobility system? I am your host, Henriette Cornet, and I am the coordinator of SHOW, a European project testing automated vehicles in real life. SHOW is led by UITP, the International Association of Public Transport. Together with 70 other partners, we investigate a future where mobility is shared, connected and automated. Today's episode, a wrap-up of the year 2022. Hi everyone, it's my pleasure to be with you again for this new year. And uh, if it's, uh, if you are still, I hope you are still listening to it in January. So happy new year to everybody. Um, 2022 has been super intense and um, for the podcast, it has been very successful, I would say. I reached uh, my goal of having one episode every month, the last uh, Wednesday of the month um, throughout the year. So I'm uh, quite happy about that. Regarding the, the number of downloads, uh, I'm happy too because we reached um, almost a thousand downloads within the, with the, the 12 episodes that have been published. So thank you. Thank you uh, to, to, to all of you for, for listening, for being uh, faithful to the, to the series. And um, yeah, I will jump directly in the topic because the reason why I'm doing this episode um, this month alone is also I would like to uh, get to know you. I would like to know who is listening to this podcast, actually. And in the second part of the episode, I will briefly make a wrap-up of last year and also tell you about the trends now in the field of uh, automated mobility, what is to come um, in general, but also for the project. But yeah, let's talk about you. Who are you? <laughs> who are you, uh, the person who is listening to the episode now, Sarah, uh, from all these downloads? Um, so the downloads are accumulated over the episodes. I can see that there, I feel that there is kind of a core of, of persons listening to the podcast. Uh, there is some analytics where I can see that the episodes are downloaded from different countries. And um, so I have I have some indication, but there is not much on the platform. So that's why I would like to um, make a small questionnaire to get to know you. And the questionnaire link is in the description of the episode. The question uh, that I want to ask you, and the idea behind this questionnaire is to be very uh, quick. And I don't want to. We are we have all very busy lives. So I don't want to be any burden. So it's really just uh, click on the link and answer the question you want to answer. You just select, you don't have to answer everything. Um, and it's all anonymous, of course. But I would like to know um, where where you're coming from in terms of um, your your field of, of work, of activity. Um, so if you are related, so if you are from the industry, if you are a, an operator, if you are working in an association from the public sector, if you're working in academia or none of these um, categories, If you are active in automated mobility, that would be important for me to know um, if I am talking to experts or also if uh, non-experts in the field are listening to this pod podcast. Maybe you are working in mobility in general, in transportation area. Maybe you are work working in uh, related topics like uh, cybersecurity or urban planning and so on. 
and maybe nothing of the above. Maybe your activity, um, or maybe you don't have an activity, maybe you are a student, maybe the, like what you do has nothing to do with um, the field and you are just curious. That would be a very, very interesting indication for me to know really who is listening and kind of your level of, um, of um, engagement with the, with the topics. After that, I would really much uh, like, I would really like to know um, how do you, uh, what do you think about the podcast series? What do you think of all these episodes? Uh, which one did you appreciate it the, mo uh, the most? Did you, do you have a favorite one? Um, we will have like uh, in the questionnaire, there is like, uh, you can uh, select three, your three favorite episodes. And that would be interesting for me uh, to see the, the one. I can see with the listeners that some are more, Uh, have more success, uh, not success, it's a, it's a big word, but like have been more listened to others. Maybe it's just because of when they have been published or maybe there are some other reasons, but I would like to, to know which one you liked the most. And also, um, which topics did you uh, appreciate most? If there was one, one topic that uh, you, you really liked and that will come also to the next, um, to the next, uh, to, to the last question, I would really love to know Which topic would you like to hear more in the future? Is there anything um, that uh, was maybe addressed and you would love to hear more about it? Or also um, any recommendations or feedback for the future in terms first of content? So I will split the questions. In terms of content, for example, do you want to have more concrete examples? Do you want me to dig into more detail? Is it too high level or is it too detailed? So let me know how you, how, how you perceive the, the episodes that have been published. And also, I'm, um, I'm interested into the, the, the more of the format. Like, on one side, of course, the content quality. If it was uh, good enough for you, it is. If it uh, matches your your expectation for such a, a podcast, the length of the episodes they are usually around 45 minutes. Is it is it okay for you, or is it too long, too short? And uh, anything regarding the, 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 the sound quality, so anything that you would like to to give a feedback about. Don't hesitate. Uh, I would put some open fields so like you can uh, write a few words or write a lot <laughs> as you prefer to tell me um, what your perception of the podcast so that we can improve uh, improve it. We can improve in terms of, uh, of content, find the best speakers um, to talk to and the best experts and also uh, make it really enjoyable for you for the year to come. So please, again, just go to the link within the description, um, the Google form, and answer, answer the few questions. It will be very helpful. I will let it open a few, I guess, even a few months because we have time to, to adapt and uh, to, to adapt our, our content and anything uh, so that you can, um, you, can give, uh, you can tell us what you want and what you expect. Now, what I want to talk about in the rest of the episode is um, to, to have a look at what happened in 2022. It was a very, very rich year for me and for the community, for the, the community around automated mobility. A lot of things happened, a lot of disruptive things happened even. And um, that's uh, what we tried to cover within this series with all the speakers that we had. And I'm so glad that we could gather so, uh, so, so good speakers. So they are all very active in the show project or outside the show project and soon to, to collaborate with us. Um, so we it, we started with the visions of automating mobility uh, with with the first three uh, three episodes, and also in some episodes uh, you remember Guido on episode nine was talking a lot also about the vision of automating mobility. 
We address the topic of regulations um, with a, 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 a focus on what's happening in Austria because Austria has been uh, released some very interesting new way of um, of getting permits for automated vehicles. And um, they built many recommendations based, based on that and more recommendations are coming out soon regarding regulations. We had a focus on the on the citizen, on the people, uh, with uh, Ingrid and Delphine in the episode six and eight, to not to forget that everything that we are doing uh, is for the people to improve the quality of life in the city, to improve the mobility in uh, in urban context. We heard about simulation in episode uh, seven and the concept of virtual twin and why why, why it's important and how it can help um, all the research and, uh, that we are doing. We heard about impact assessment because, of course, uh, putting all these vehicles uh, on the road and testing them, we need to assess also the impacts, the impacts that they will have on the environment, on on the society, on like also around economic viability. Um, that's what we we did with Liz Lott and Evie in uh, episode ten. We also heard from a new, from an outsider perspective, I would say, from US uh, in the episode eleven um, with uh, William Ricks, with the specific focus of robot taxi. And uh, in the last episode, we could dig into the the, the idea of research. So why um, we need to have very ambitious research in everything that we are doing with our technical manager, Maria Gemo. So what we have learned with that. Uh, from my perspective, I would say that the most important is that we stay uh, multidisciplinary in the work that we are doing. We need to talk to different experts from different backgrounds. It's extremely important. It was my goal at the beginning, and I think it came out that we have to collaborate all together with all these disciplines, with with engin- engineers, researchers, but also sociologists, with uh, people coming from more with more business background. With um, so with uh, regulation expertise, so we need all this expertise together. That's the only way that we can really figure out how automated mobility um, can contribute to a better mobility system. Um, what was also very impactful for me in 2022 was because I try I, I had my first trial uh, in a robot taxi in San Francisco. I tried um, a cruise uh, vehicle. And I have to say, it it was uh, it was a blast. It was very fun first, but also it changed completely my vision uh, when we hear sometimes that the technology is not ready. Because once you sit in this robot taxi, you feel that okay, it's just there. Like it's uh, it has been ongoing. So many many other experts had had a very very similar um, feelings and than that I'm sure what I'm sharing now. But the idea is, um, so you remember from the from the from the episode eleven that the idea is you take a, it's like an Uber. You just book um, you book a ride through your smartphone, and then a vehicle can come pick you up. But there is no one on board, and it unlocks the door. You you go in, and it's just drive you through the city, going through all the stops, going through all the traffic lights at every intersections, um, overtaking vehicles parked, for example and so on and so on. So really driving extremely smoothly in the sea, in the streets, on the streets of San Francisco and dropping you, uh, of course, within this, uh, you remember as well, this operation design domain, meaning this area um, where the vehicles are, uh, are capable of uh, of driving. So after this, I, I was really asking myself um, how 
can this, uh, how will this impact the entire discussions around automotive mobility and all the development and deployments and so on? And how will it impact what we are doing in Europe? Because in Europe, we are um, much more focus, focused on, um, on shuttles. Um, I hope you had the occasion to, to, to check in the internet. This is shuttles, for example, two, so it's two companies that, that started some long time ago and helped a lot progress. It's uh, EasyMile and Navia, two French companies. And um, so these 12-person shuttles without any driving wheel. And um, we are going more this path. So we are going really into this shared mobility, which on my side, I think it's a, it's a very positive thing. Uh, there is really much this idea of this first last mile, uh, which is uh, the idea of uh, bringing, you, bringing the people from, you know, at the end of a, of a metro line when the, uh, the density of public transport is, is more sparse you can have some automated vehicles that would bring you home and help you make the last kilometer. So it's something we focused a lot in Europe, not only, of course, because uh, in the project, for example, in the show project, we have many other use cases. It's really not the only one. We have automated buses. We have also robotaxi, but let's say at another, at another level, that's what we have, uh, what's happening now in U.S. The main reason, reason for that is, of course, the investments that have happened uh, because... Um, just Cruise and Waymo together. Uh, so Cruise is uh, from uh, General Motors, if you remember, and Waymo is uh, from Google. Both together, they leverage more, something like three billions of, of, of dollars to make this progress. So, of course, when we look at Europe, we, we did not have, we don't have such investments. It hasn't happened yet, let's say. And um, most of um, everything that has been done laid on the, on the funding from the European Commission for example, for a project like the show project, which uh, which is something huge in terms of collaboration and helps a lot, but we are speaking of very different level because show is uh, getting 30 million uh, euros for uh, 70 partners. So you get directly uh, the fact that we are speaking about completely different things. Still, I um, it's not to say anything negative about the European project because uh, you remember from the episode with Guido how important they are. Uh, for collaboration, to be sure that we have this incredible diversity of players uh, on board, and um, also that to be sure that the, the, the cities, for example, are on board, that the public transport authorities know about the development and so on. And that's something that, for me, it's unique in Europe, and that's something we can very be very proud of. Um, what I hope for the next year to come is that we will have more involvement of the industry in Europe. We have, um, like, uh, Navia and EasyMile are growing, of course, but we need more and more collaboration of big players, the big industrial players. And I've been very happy to hear that there is this collaboration coming from Navia with Bluebus, which is a, uh, within the group of Bolloré, which is a very uh, powerful uh, group uh, industry in, in France, because we need to go more and more towards industrialization. And we have to go out of any type of prototyping, I feel, but really more series. The, um, we need more series because we, the, the, we don't have enough vehicles on the market right now in Europe. So we need these vehicles and they need to, be, to become cheaper. Also, we've, through the sensors and everything, it needs to be, uh, we, we need them, so to say. So I know that there, is, there has been the past year uh, many shortage in terms of supply of these sensors for the vehicle. But I really hope, hope that we will um, manage to have kind of a, of a pace of having more vehicles because it's only with more vehicles and more deployments that we can really assess 
how the technology can uh, can can progress the mobility. So one or two vehicles here will not help us understand um, how major this change can be in our lives. So yeah, there have been uh, many many progresses made in in 2022. Many new shuttles that have been presented at the at the CES in Las Vegas beginning of the year. Um, for example, uh, ZF is uh, is bringing a new a new shuttle with uh, Holon together. There is also the Origin from Cruise uh, that is very promising, and Waymo is also bringing a new uh, new shuttle. So with shuttles, it's still this idea of um, few few people in the vehicle, um, but without so the, the vehicle is directly um, designed without a driving wheel. So directly. If you remember the level of automation, we speak of level four, so directly without uh, any um, any driving wheel, and um, always for shared mobility, so a bit like a minibus. And uh, this is very promising. I'm really looking forward to see this, um, these shuttles on the on the road, and I will definitely want to try them in 2023. So I will keep you updated about that, definitely. The regulation in Europe is progressing, and this as well. I think we should we should um, dig into this at, at some uh, topic because the EU is really trying to harmonize between countries, so we don't have like because if we have these vehicles, these automated vehicles, it cannot be that you have to redo the entire approval process in each country. You really need to have a kind of a, an approval in one country and be able to drive in others, or at least that it is simplified. So they they are working on it, and there are some progress. Um, the big steps have been made last year and uh, more to come. And regarding the, um, the robotaxi, Mobileye and Sixth, uh, Sixth is a um, rental, rental car company, are collaborating and will deploy uh, vehicles in Munich. I'm very curious about it. I will definitely go there, try, the, uh, try them if I can, and encourage everybody to, to, to try it out and uh, looking forward to see this type of, of services in, um, in the in Europe. But definitely all of this can only be gone, all these deployments. So you notice that I'm focusing a lot on, on talking about vehicles because of course we need vehicles to um, to test and to make um, to, to make people aware about what it is. We, we want people also to try them. Like everybody should, should have a, a ride with uh, automated vehicles to notice how it feels like, how comfortable they feel with it. But that's not all, right? I mean, we... We really need solid use cases. We really need solid services. And that's where I see that the show project contributes a lot because we are working on these different services and also working, of course, on assessing the viability, the economic viability. For now, it's not viable. It's still too expensive, meaning all the players um, deploying these vehicles are still in the field. Are still, um, it's still an investment um, for for later, let's say, but there is no return on investment so far. But uh, we are exploring this within the project, and I feel that's a, a topic we should definitely uh, address more into detail. How to how to make this uh, business model, and with business model, I mean, for example, specifically working in the field of of public transport. Um, we have to understand how could the public transport players stakeholders. Um, collaborate the best with all these new uh, new players coming. So how could we make happen that um, in a city um, the pu- the public transport maybe uh, contract um, a company like uh, like Cruise? 
how would it work concretely and how could everybody benefit from that so that we don't work in silos and that it is not like independent uh, from each other like it was the case for for Uber um, but like we can really create kind of a coordinated uh, mobility system in the cities and a regulated system i think europe will be a best place uh, to the best place to to experiment that this type of collaboration and this type of of partnerships um so that's uh, that's something we will look into very uh, into detail in the in the show project otherwise i want to tell you a word about the, the show project where we are now and um 2023 will be uh, is our last year of the of the project we may have a, a, a short extension to it to finalize some some aspects but really 2023 it's the peak it's really where all the highlights will will come all the everything will be gathered and where all our demonstrations so you remember we are deploying in uh, in 15 cities if we consider only our our main sites but even more if we consider the cities that are following us and reproducing some of our work we have uh, these different types of vehicles we have minivans uh, we have um the shuttles that i mentioned just before also passenger cars retrofitted passenger cars and also automated buses um and all will be um on the road in 2023 most of them are already on the road already running and um, for example uh, i will mention few cities to you and also some services so that you realize what these vehicles are doing i'm also thinking of sharing some pictures i think we need more pictures we need more videos so you can really figure out uh what i'm talking about So in Brno in Czech Republic um they have the, the, the colleagues there the partners there have retrofitted Grifo v, uh, shuttles they are kind of funny vehicles i have to say i mean um uh like you you ne- really need to look, to have a look at these small vehicles they are very small i think they are very practical for for dense cities i think it's that's something uh, that could be quite um, quite nice to have in cities and they are doing exactly what i mentioned before the feeder services meaning they get to some a public transport station and they bring the people from the mass transit you know like really the mass transit through um through metro for example and they will bring the people uh, somewhere in sparse where where the public transport is most pass they work also in harsh weather environments they had snow some time ago so they are gathering a lot of insights uh, from from this perspective In Karlsruhe in, in Germany they have uh, retrofitted um easy mile shuttle with some uh, compartment for parcels. They want to explore the possibility to have shared uh, a vehicle shared for passengers and cargo uh, delivery. So that's that's what will be explored there and uh, they will, they will make some tests, some use case, some situations where where this can can be done. And also what's in, interesting in Karlsruhe because it's um It's a research institute behind them, FZI, uh, FZI uh, behind them. They are um, they completely retrofitted the, the driving behavior of the of the vehicle. So they rewrote kind of the algorithm or, or enhance it so that the vehicle is behaving a bit differently. Before you can imagine that the automated um, shuttle is driving on a, like a rail, a virtual rail, like it's programmed and it's just following the rail. And now with this new um algorithm that they have developed the vehicle is driving within lane so they have boundaries right and left that they cannot um touch so to say but within this boundary they can overtake over vehicles and they can move freely so it's a new way of of driving a bit less um 
okay, rigid sounds negative, but meaning if you have a rail, once you have an obstacle, it's a bit more difficult to, to, to pass this obstacle. So having a lane enables more uh, flexibility. In Crest, in Val de Drôme, in France, um, it's a new partner that joined us, Betty, uh, with some Navia shuttles. And what is unique in this field is really this rural area. We are talking a lot uh, in France about these rural uh, use cases, exactly for what I mentioned before about this idea of cities should be with public transport. We don't want to add additional vehicles there. Um, but when um, when there is no public transport, so on peri-urban peri areas, these shuttles could really make a, a good benefit. And that's what we'll investigate uh, in France. In Spain, we have um, um, a public transport authority and operators with us, EMT Madrid, that have retrofitted buses, so Irizar buses. And what they are doing is um, uh, depot, ma we call it depot management. So they have retrofitted the bus with sensors, you, like I would say the usual sensors, the LIDAR, the radar, um, everything that help um, driving auto autonomously. And the idea behind it is like they will keep a bus driver during the day. And at the end of the day, when the bus driver is done with his uh, shift, he will bring the bus to the depot. And from there, he will go out of the bus and the bus will make all the operations on the depot by its own. It will go to the washing area. It will go for charging because uh, you remember as well that um, autom automated shuttles, automated driving goes hand in hand with electrification, with electric vehicles. So the bus will just go there and it will do all the steps necessarily to form um, at the end of the day what, a, what, a, what is necessary for a bus, for operation of a bus. But it will save cost for the operator because the bus driver will not be involved anymore. So that I think it's very interesting and also I think it's something that could come very soon because um, it's a closed environment. Um, they don't have, they did not have to deal with uh, the usual permits that you need to get when you operate on open roads in the city, in city centers. So I think this, this case is very interesting and it would be very great to see more and more of these buses coming. So we come back to my former topic about we need vehicles because now this retrofitting, like afterwards, retrofitting afterwards vehicles is extremely expensive. So we need buses that are directly equipped with these sensors from, um, from the, from the start, from the production. And uh, this, uh, this use case could be, could be nice to see more in the future. And we want to investigate also the economic viability of, uh, of such a use case. If you are in Germany, you should definitely go to two cities. Uh, one is uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt am Main, and also Mannheim, where they have shuttles fully integrated within public transit services. So they have, um, you know, in many cities, you have uh, an application, an app, a smartphone app to, to, to check the, the schedule of, uh, of when, when is the metro coming and so on. And through this app or a similar app, you can actually book a ride to drive with one of the shuttles and it will, so it's on demand and it will come pick you up. The route is fixed, so it's not like a robot taxi going anywhere in the city within this operational design domain, but um, it's coming when you need it, let's say. And um, I definitely need to go there. It's planned for March. I will be there in March and try these vehicles. Uh, the, the, the service there looks very interesting because it's directly with the public transit and we need that more in the future, um, this type of collaboration for, for, for 
for making the best of uh, of both competency from the automated driving and from the public transit. I say public transit, but it's, uh, I mean, public transport. I think it's more like a US term to say public transit. And in Europe, we use more public transport, just as a, as a side note. In Graz, uh, in Graz, sorry, in Austria, we, uh, they retrofitted the passenger car um, to investigate the use case of robot taxis there, for example, and also look at curb management at bus terminal. So it's a bus terminal where you have different bus coming, so many lanes coming together. And um, the taxi there, the car, has to kind of uh, decide where to go depending on where the bus uh, are. So it's kind of um, also a nice interface between the public transit and the automated vehicles and see how they can kind of collaborate together and not like so to be sure that the robot taxi is not not hindering the, the services of the bus. Back to France, we have the uh, site Les Mureaux that should join us very soon. And there it's on the aerospatial area where um, the aerospatial area where the Ariane um, rocket is uh, being developed. And um, it's a very large area with something like 2,000 employees. And it's great because um, since it's closed, uh, we also, for the permits, it's easier to put in place. But still, with 2,000 employees, it's almost like a, a small neighborhood. So we have uh, some traffic, we have pedestrians and so on. So we can still test a lot. And there, they will deploy without a safety driver on board and investigate the case of having a remote supervisor, we call it. So imagine someone being in a control center, you know, a bit like in the plane, you have this control tower watching all the traffic of planes. Something similar will be put in place for um, automated shuttles. You have someone there and they want to investigate if it's possible to have one person to supervise three shuttles at the same time. So they will look into detail there. Fingers crossed that uh, it works and that they can join the project. Um, in Carinthia, in Austria, we have a very nice service of a, of a shuttle for the user group of tourists, um, not only, also for commuter students, but uh, a lot for tourists because it's a beautiful region there directly on the lake. Um, and uh, they have also a similar service and in Germany where you have like uh, shuttles picking you up from the train station and bringing you, for example, closer to the lake. Also, they are investigating their accessibility in very much detail and how... Um, and our passengers in wheelchairs, for example, or with strollers, can access best the vehicles. That was just a, a very short overview. I haven't mentioned all the sites because we have much more. We have activity uh, in Tempere. In Tempere, a lot of very nice things will happen as well uh, because this site will actually grow much more. So I guess you remember Pekka uh, from the, from the um, I think it was the second episode, uh, Pekka mentioned a lot of things that they are doing there and they will extend. So that's quite exciting to come. And uh, we have activity in Turin, in Italy, taking place. That will be exciting as well. A lot of things have been done already in Linköping in Sweden, uh, with a big focus also on uh, access for um, vulnerable users. And uh, in Tricala in Greece, um, there are different deployments. And for example, we, we look at using more like delivery robots. Maybe that's something also you would like to hear more in the next year to come. So we don't look only at uh, passenger services, but also at parcel services. And that's something they, they look at into detail in Tricala. So yes, that was uh, an overview of uh, of our coming activities, but not only all these 
deployments are happening, but also we will continue, all the researchers in the project will continue working on, on impact assessments, on surveying the people. So if you use these services, you really have to give your feedback. I mean, it's a must. You have to tell us what do you think about these vehicles because we, we want to analyze later on how people perceive it. And not only the, the passengers, we also want to talk with the local stakeholders still working hard on the, on the idea of collaboration and how this collaboration can work. Uh, we will draft recommendations. I think that would be quite, uh, it's extremely important for the European Commission that is funding us, but for everybody, for all the players. And um, UATP is in charge of the, of the policy recommendation. But I would like really to make something very tangible as much as possible. So I'm not a big fan of huge uh, reports that uh, nobody reads, but um, I w we will really try to make something something concise, something that can be useful for for the community. Many projects have put effort into this, in, in making uh, very accessible guidelines for everybody, and we will continue this good work to be sure that um, the next projects to come, the next um, uh, stakeholders that want to jump into this uh, this incredible journey can, can really learn uh, from what everything that has been done in this huge project that, uh, that uh, we are coordinating, that we are doing. So that was all from my side. Um, I hope you appreciated this type. It's, it was a bit weird for me to talk alone, I have to say, but uh, I hope it was insightful. And please check the questionnaire. Tell me about uh, what you think about all these episodes, about what have been done last year, about what you want to hear next year. Tell me even your opinion on automated mobility. I'd be glad to hear that. Get in touch with us. Uh, let's interact a bit more. And uh, please continue listening uh, to the episodes. Share them um, within your network. And um, thank you very much. Have a wonderful year. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. This podcast would not have been possible without the support from the Horizon 2020 program by the European Commission under the grant agreement number 875530. Check out the links for the show project and other references in the description of the episode and subscribe to our newsletter to stay tuned. Don't hesitate to share this episode or give us feedback to it. My name is Henriette Cornet from UITP and I hope to see you at our next episode.